with me to Romans chapter 8. I'm going to begin reading in the New Living Translation, but this is just something God put on my heart for us this week. But I want to start with verse 1. It says, And so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit that has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Somebody say amen to that. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God, I'm I'm reading in the New Living Translation, it says, So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Or, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. I believe God has already redeemed me. I was an old sinner saved by grace, but now I am am sanctified by Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. But it says, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us, by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Somebody say, follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by sinful nature, by the sinful nature, think about and think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. That's interesting right there. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Somebody say life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit gives you life. Somebody say, my spirit gives me life. Because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I want you to just confess that this morning and tell your neighbor, say, look at your neighbor and say, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. I don't know about you, but that's something to shout about, amen? That's powerful right there. And so he says that the Spirit of God, that he lives in you. He lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. If you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Another translation says this way. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, I am a child of God. Point to yourself this morning and say, I am a child of God. This morning, I want to encourage us this morning. I want us to renew our mind with God's word. 
And so as we can see here, there's some important factors that we need to have our spirit man be the controlling factor in our lives. Somebody say amen. And so if you've been here the last couple of weeks, I want to encourage you, uh, we've been teaching on the parable of the sower. And so I'll go ahead and turn over with me to Mark chapter 4, but you can find the parable of the sower in, in Matthew and Mark and in Luke. You can find it in Matthew 13, you can find it in Mark 4, and also in Luke 8. And I want to encourage you, if you get a chance, write those down, and I'll say them again, but write those down and study those this week. Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke chapter 8. And look at the parable of the sower. I'm going to just summarize it here for you today. I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the recent messages that, uh, that we've been sharing. Take some time to go back and re-listen and build yourself up on the word every day throughout the week. Somebody say amen. Let me summarize the parable of the sower. Essentially, it says that the sower sows the word, that there's a sower and the sower sows the word and God's word is the seed. Everybody say God's word is seed. God's word is seed. And there's four types of ground that the seed, the word of God, that this right here is God's seed. And there's four types of ground that this seed goes into. And you get a choice to choose what type of ground you're going to be. Somebody say amen. It doesn't matter where you've been or what your life is. You know, I want you to think about this in your own house, in your own yard, or wherever it is that you live. You know, you get to choose, you get a choice as to what kind of seed or what kind of ground you have at your house. Amen? Let's say you moved into a house and you had like a little patch of grass for your dog to kind of go and do his business on. But let's say you just had, and, and maybe you didn't like the grass that was there. You have a choice that you could go and take that grass up and put down fertilizer, put down different things in order to change the grass that was there. That maybe, let's say it was just a, a dirt spot. You could change that dirt and grind and till it up and grind it up and, and get it to where it, it's fertilized and, and turn it into a place that was fruitful. Somebody say amen. And so in, just like in the natural, you in the spiritual, you have a choice that you get to choose what type of ground you are. Somebody say amen. So the first type of ground is wayside ground or shallow ground. That means that the devil comes to immediately steal the word. You know, ultimately, out of these three, the first three types of ground, that's the ultimate, the devil's main objective of what he wants to do, is he wants to steal the word that's been planted in your heart, that's been planted in your ground. Somebody say amen. And so we have to, we have to work to make sure, in a sense, that, that we don't allow the enemy to throw us off course because we had wayside ground. Somebody say amen. That sometimes as you've been looking for a church and as you find, as you get planted in the house of God, it's important that the enemy is going to do anything he can do to try to throw you off the path that God has for him. Amen. Now the second type of ground is stony ground. It says in stony ground, they don't have deep roots. In other words, they don't last long. You know, I found this out, but that plants that aren't planted don't grow fruit. Amen? You know, I don't know about you, anybody ever planted any tomatoes before? You know, you might go to the store and, you know, I've seen a tomato plant, but, you know, I haven't ever gotten any tomatoes off anything, and maybe sometimes they might grow them and then put them in a pot, and then you take them home and you can replant them. But in order for that tomato to grow, they had to plant that tomato plant or that tomato seed in the ground in order for it to grow. 
And so sometimes, we, if we have stony ground or not deep roots, then plants don't start producing until they're planted. And so someone who isn't planted in a church, they jump around never staying long enough to get to produce fruit because the devil knows how to bring a situation that you'll run into every time. Amen? You know, like, for example, if the enemy knows that you can easily get upset. Come on now, somebody. I'm doing some teaching this morning. But let's say, you know, let's say you had your favorite, you know, let's just use that, for example, let's say this is my favorite seat, and I'm just going to sit right here, but it's got an usher reserve seat, but this is my favorite seat, and this is where I sit every Sunday, and this is where I sit every time, but then all of a sudden, we come in, and we've been believing God that our, uh, that our, that God's going to show up, and that our, uh, that our, our sanctuary is going to be full, and we've got new guests sitting in the seat when you show up, and we say, and we walk in, you know, we could get offended that somebody was sitting in my seat. And say, well, I'm not going back to that church. Why? Because somebody was sitting in my seat. And pastor didn't get up and say for them to move out of my seat so that I could sit there because I sit there every Sunday. Doesn't pastor know I wrote my name on the bottom of that seat? Now, please don't write your name on the bottom of your seat this morning. Now, I know in this church, that's, it's not that way. But there are churches, there are traditional churches that, you know, their daddy or their grandpa's name is on the building. If you try to take it off, whoo. Now, that's not here. Because we want Jesus to be the number one. Amen? Amen? I don't know about you. I want God to be the one that gets the credit. Amen? It's not, it's not by my power. It's not by my might. Amen? It's by the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's, not, it's by God's power. Lest the Lord build the house, those that labor, labor in vain. But what happens is, is you might start coming and, and, and you get into the house of God and you say, man, pastor, this is it. This is where I've been believing God for. The enemy just says, okay, and he lets you come for a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, something happens, something shows up, and all of a sudden, you get confronted with a choice, and you have to decide, am I going to be planted or am I going to run away like I've run every other time? And then all of a sudden, what, man, what some people do is they run over to the other church that they kind of been, uh, you know, seeing, and, and they say, well, let me go over here until, until they get offended there, and then they end up coming back here. See, I'm telling you, you can't produce fruit until you get planted. Somebody say planted in the house of God. God wants to plant you into his kingdom. It's ultimately about his kingdom. Because God even said this, I don't have the scripture to pull it up, but God says that we are all a part of his kingdom and a part of his ministry. And God puts all the parts together in the way that he wants them to flow. Amen? But if you're not there to do your part, then what ends up happening? Somebody else has to do the part that they weren't called to do because you were called to do the part that God called you to do. And so God wants us to be planted in his house. Don't, don't let seed fall on stony ground. I mean, and what I'm saying by that is, is, is determined to be faithful and say, God, I'm not going to let anything pull me out from hearing the word that is being preached to me. Because ultimately what you want to receive is you want to receive the word of God. You want to receive the word. The word is spirit and it is life. Somebody say amen. You don't need my opinion. You don't need any other minister's opinion. You need the word of God. You need to receive that. But if it's interesting. When you get into the word, the word of God says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, so much so as a matter of some is, but so much more as you see the day approaching. See, if you're really in the word, you know, it's always funny. I talk to people, you know, and they'll say, well, you know, pastor, I'm, I'm just, I'm doing church at home. Well, that's not what the word says, amen. They, they aren't reading their Bible, Amen. 
You know, because I know they're not reading their Bible because if they aren't coming to church, then they aren't reading the whole word of God because God actually gives us an instruction. You know, it's interesting. You can go through the passage, but you can see Jesus ministered on the, on the, on the Sabbath day. Jesus was in church on the Sabbath. Somebody say amen. And so anyway, uh, and so stony ground. Then there's thorny ground. God's word is choked out because of worldly things or cares of the world. Somebody say amen. Either they care about something more than God or the word of God is choked out because they care about something else. All of a sudden, the word of God, it's like, it's like getting you in a place, you know, where, where you had to choose whether or not what you were going to do. Like, you know, I remember, I don't know why I got this, this just popped up in my spirit, but I remember when I was growing up, I had two, I had my cousin and my best friend. And it was my birthday party and it was coming up and everybody loved to come to, to my birthday party. All right, and so I had my cousin who I, I, I loved and also my, my best friend who, and they were both on opposing baseball teams and they had a tournament that weekend. And the team that won was the one that couldn't go to my birthday. And so it was like almost as if they wanted to be able to go and so uh, it ended, ended up happening that uh, uh, my uh, best friend lost and my, my cousin won, but my cousin is crying because his team won and so that meant that he couldn't go to the birthday party. And it's almost as if that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us in a place that we have to choose whether or not we're going to choose God or the other. That, that, you know, it's like when the family, and I like the way Pastor kind of put it the other day, but it's like when the family comes and says, well, don't you know you need to spend time with your family? I don't know about you, but I spend time with my family at church. Not enough shouting on that one, amen, but it's truth anyhow. I can spend time with my family right after church. I can, I'll meet you at dinner. I'll meet you at KFC. Come on, somebody. I'll meet you there. I'll be there. But you know what? I'm going to make sure that God is more important and that I put God first. Don't allow yourself to get choked out by other things. And then the other thing that can cause thorny ground and to choke things out is to be worried. They're worried about something more than believing or trusting God. And so they stop the flow of God's power in their life because they're so worried about it that God can't flow through their life and bless them the way that God wants them to be blessed. Somebody say amen. When you worry, write this down. When you worry, you are telling God that you don't trust him. I'm going to write that down again. When you worry, you're telling God that you don't trust him. See, worry, I don't know about you, worry can be one of the worst things that you can allow to creep into your life. You know, it's easy for somebody to come in and get delivered in a sense from, from uh, you know, and it may be a, a task, but, but from natural things. You know, maybe they were addicted to, to you know, trying, they're believing God to, to stop smoking or something like that. Or, you know, and I, and I don't believe that if you smoke, you're going to go to hell. I just believe you'll smell like hell. You might smell like it until you get there because there's going to be fire in hell. If you worry, then, then it can be harder for someone as a Christian, as a believer in God, to get over their worry and to cast their care on the Lord. Sometimes you just have to, and, I, and I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning, that there's times that the enemy comes and constantly tries to bring thoughts, and I had to, I had to say, no, God said, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. No, God said he would provide all of my needs. No, God said, God's word said, God's word said, I turn around and, you know, you, you might go home and, you know, and, and sometimes it'll be like, you know, you got to speak the word really fast to the bills or to the bill cabinet. 
Because, you know, they'll yell at you really quick. You know, you might open it up, and it's, they're all yelling, pay me. And, you know, you say, uh, Jesus, God said, I'll, I'll provide all my needs according to Jesus Christ. Amen. And so you speak the word over. I say, I thank you, Jesus. You're going to help me to overcome. You're going to help me to get to the where God wants me to get. Somebody say amen. But he tells us that we don't have to worry. Amen. It's important for us not to worry. Amen. I'm not saying to be wise. I'm saying for us not to worry. Amen. And then there's also good ground. You get to choose what kind of ground you are. The good ground produces some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. It's important for us to understand that you choose what type of ground you are. And why is this passage so important? Why is this message so important? It's important because the parable is so important because Jesus actually said this. If you don't understand this parable, then how will you understand all the other parables? So you've got to understand this parable before you can understand other parables. And so in other words, we've got to get to a revelation and an illumination in our spirit, man, about this parable in order for the other parables in God's word to become clear to us. Somebody say amen. And see, because Satan has tried, and Satan has, in a sense, blinded the minds of many people in the world. I want you to look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm just going to read this quickly. But it says this, therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1, it says, as we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but we have renounced the hidden things and of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, condemning ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine unto them. In other words, what this scripture is telling us, he's saying that the enemy has tried to blind the minds of those that, are no long, that aren't believing. Amen? See, the enemy tries to blind our mind. You know, there, might, there are family members in my life that I'm believing God to be saved and to receive salvation. But I know, I can see it. They have not yet been revealed. The light hasn't come open. It's like there's, a, there's like a shade or there's like, there's like something in front that's blinding them from seeing the truth. And so we had to ask God to, to open the eyes of their understanding and pray the Ephesian prayer, prayers over them. Amen. But we must have a revelation about the parable of the sower in order for the other parables to come clear. And so how is God's revelation revealed by his spirit? That's how it's revealed. It's revealed. It's going to be illuminated. It's going to be revealed by, by, by his spirit to your spirit. Somebody say amen. God, I want you to just point to yourself and say, God speaks to my spirit. And so it is revealed from his spirit to my spirit. See, God is a spirit. Your spirit, man, has to become greater, more dominant than the cares of the world and more than even the emotions or the feelings. Your spirit needs to become the dominant one in your being. You know, I want everybody to hold up their three fingers like this. Hold this up. You are a three-part being. Your being is made up of three parts. Your spirit. Somebody say, you my spirit. 
Number two, your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. That's the, what you think about. That's what, that's what you uh, contemplate. And your body. Number three, your body. That's your body. And so you're made up of these three parts. But many times what happens is, see, you're constantly in the natural. You're constantly aware of what your body is saying. This morning, you might be hungry this morning. I said, if I asked everybody, are you hungry this morning? Your body could tell you right now whether you're hungry or not, whether you ate breakfast or not. Then your, your soul, you're always conscious of what your soul is, what your soul is saying. If I asked you this morning, are you hot or are you cold? It's because constantly you're thinking in your mind, man, am I kind of hot up here? I'm a little hot. I'm sweating up here. But you might be out there, and I see somebody putting on a jacket right now. They might be cold this morning. And so, but, but see, there's your spirit, man, has to be number one. And so it's kind of like this. You know, sometimes, you see, your spirit, man, if your spirit, man, can connect and become more dominant, and you listen, how does it get built up? By reading the Word of God, by renewing yourself on the Word of God, then it can get, and if you renew your mind, which is your mind, your will, your soul, then now those two will dominate your body, and you'll say, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to church today, because now my spirit, man, and my soul are greater than my body. But many times, we get there to that place that we say, no, my body really feels tired today. And man, my bed covers sure do feel nice and warm this morning. And man, I did do a lot of work in the yard yesterday. I really don't feel like getting up. And so instead, we allow our body and our, our mind to say, hey, this is going to be more dominant than my spirit. And even though my spirit knows it wants to go to church, even though my spirit wants to pray, even though my spirit wants to do what's right, it doesn't because it's two versus one. And so your spirit, man, has to become the dominant one in your life. Look at this scripture with me quickly to Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want you to highlight that scripture in your Bible. Circle the part that says, transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to have a different life, if you want to have a transformed life, if you want to live a life of Christ, then you've got to transform it by renewing your mind with the word of God. Somebody say amen to that. And then back when I read Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it said, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I want you to think about it in relation to that. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting your spirit and control your mind leads to life and to peace. Somebody say amen to that. And see, your mind is the battleground of faith. The mind is the arena or the battleground of faith. The mind is the enemy's first place of attack. See, the battle for your life will be won or lost depending on how well you have prepared yourself for battle by developing a sound mind. The Bible has a lot to say about, you know, that you ought to have a sound mind. Somebody say, a sound mind. That God gave you a spirit of love. Somebody say, love, power, and a sound mind. 
You know, when you go, you know, the best way to describe a sound mind is like, you know, anybody ever been there before? They had a family member or somebody that was about to go to into a surgery, and they were just really nervous about the surgery and, and those kind of things. God said that he gave you a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. And see, the enemy wants to attack. Think about what your mind starts racing and what your mind starts to begin to think if you start thinking and going down the negative path. Amen? And so you must renew your mind with the Word of God. You, an unrenewed mind will keep you in sickness, poverty, fear, lack, and unbelief. See, God does not control your thoughts. God doesn't even control your actions. And most of the time, and I would, say, I would say that it's true in a sense, that your actions are based on your thoughts. Before you do something, you think something. Amen? Even if you think of it unconsciously. Amen? And see, God gave you a free will, and you have to guard your thought life and your mind. The more you learn of God's word, the more revelation and illumination you can walk in. Because you can't walk where you don't see the light. I mean, you can walk through darkness, but if you don't have a, if you, there's no light, if you don't have a focus and a goal, then it's hard to get to where you don't know where you're going. There's a difference in knowing God can and knowing God will do it for you. See, there's many people that believe, well, I know God can heal. I just don't believe he'll do it for me. I know God can bless. I know God will give such and such and bless such and such with a job, but I just don't know if he can do it for me. So you got to get to a place that you believe God will do it for you. Amen? I believe it this morning that God will do it for you. If God will do it for somebody else, God will do it for you. A lot of people know that God can, but they don't know if God will do it for them. But you had to have that revelation for yourself then you can begin to walk in the light that has been given to you by God's word. See, once that word gets down on the inside of you, once you receive the revelation of God, once you get that rhema word and you know that there's no weapon formed against you that shall prosper, it doesn't matter. The enemy may try to do all kinds of things to your life, and all of a sudden you can just stand on the word and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And you just speak to it. You speak to the mountain. You speak to it and call it to be cast into the sea. God's people are equipped for victory. But if they don't stand with the word of God in their heart and hold fast to their confession of faith, they will not walk in victory. We read it earlier. We said it earlier. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. I want you to say the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. That's powerful. But see, if you don't have a revelation of that and you don't stand on that and you don't hold fast to your confession, you might be equipped for victory, but yet not walk in victory. Amen? I might be equipped. You know, I've got muscles in my body. You know, how many know who Dwayne The Rock Johnson is? I've heard this example before I use it this morning. But, you know, I've got the same muscles that Dwayne The Rock Johnson has in his body that I got in my body. I'm equipped for victory. I could come in one Sunday and I look like The Rock. Have all kinds of muscles and flex for you. But I'm equipped for victory, but I'm not walking in the victory because I'm not in the gym every day. I'm not working out 
and doing what I ought to do in order for to walk in the victory and to have the same body. And so if that's true in the natural, the same is true in the spiritual. I think sometimes we have these like, God's ways are higher than our ways, and we have this super spiritual mentality when it comes to God. No, the, the principles in God's word are the same. The things that, you know, things that are loosed in heaven are loosed on earth. Things that are bound in heaven are, are bound on earth. Sometimes we have to understand and have a revelation. That's why I'm trying to give you examples this morning so that you can have a revelation that, man, I can live that way. Man, I can live blessed. Man, I can live prosperous. Man, I can live in, in, in health. Somebody say amen. And see, God's word is light, and that light will take away the darkness so that we can see. See, the moment, you know, if this room was completely dark, the moment that I turn on my flashlight, all of a sudden the dark runs away. Because darkness cannot overcome light. But many times, we only have a very small flashlight worth of word in our hearts and in our lives that we're walking around with a flashlight instead of walking around with a big beam of light so that we can see where God wants us to go. See, God wants to reveal to you where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do. Satan wants to cast doubt just like he did with Jesus. I want you to look at this. This is interesting. In Matthew chapter 4, I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And the tempter, somebody say the tempter, came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. See, you have to capture those thoughts and not let the devil's thoughts run wild in your mind. In other words, Jesus had just been praying his spirit man. What was he what was he thinking about? What was he praying about? His spirit man was greater than his body. In the natural, his body was hungry. But instead, he didn't allow the enemy's words to get into his mind and look at those rocks and think, yeah, you know what? I am the son of God. Man, I can turn those into bread. Man, you know what? I am pretty hungry. Because he could have done it. But instead, he replied with the word of God. Satan attacked Jesus, in a sense, in the mind, and Jesus stood on the word. We need to stand on God's word. You can't entertain the enemy's thoughts anymore. You instead bring your thoughts into line with God's word. For example, we walk by faith and not by sight. The doctor may be telling you one thing, but God's word, what does God's word say? You can stand on the word of God. And so you can say, by Jesus' stripes. I'm not saying for you to deny, you know, maybe you got a broken arm this morning, and you don't walk around saying, I don't have a broken arm. Well, you can go to the x-ray, and the doctor can show you the x-ray and say, your arm is broken. And you walk around, well, I'm standing in faith. I'm saying my arm ain't broken. But you can say, by, I believe that Jesus is healing my arm in Jesus' name. My arm will be healed in Jesus' name. I'm believing God for healing, that God, that Jesus heals my arm in Jesus' name. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Somebody say amen. Keep your mind on God. Keep your mind on his word. Isaiah 26, 3 says this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. How many want perfect peace in your life? I don't know about you. I got a three-year-old. I want perfect peace in my life. Amen. Perfect peace. I speak perfect peace over my house. Perfect peace over my mind. Anybody got kids in here? 
Anybody kid, he had kids in school? Anybody's teacher? Perfect peace. Somebody say perfect peace. But how do you get perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee? Because he trusteth in thee. See, if you keep your mind on God, see, the moment I get my mind off of God, I lose my peace. But if I keep my mind on peace because I can trust in God that God's going to take care of me, the moment I start looking at the bills instead of looking at what God's going to do, all of a sudden I lose my peace. But if I keep my mind stayed on the Word of God and stayed on God and I trust in Him and trust in His Word, then all of a sudden I keep my perfect peace. See, that's what happens. The enemy comes in. I walk in and I say, well, how are you doing this morning? Y'all to say, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm, I got perfect peace because my mind has stayed on you. You know, your car worked great on Friday, and it worked great on Saturday. But Sunday morning you wake up, and all of a sudden you go to turn the key, and the battery don't start. Where's your peace? What happens? All of a sudden, now you got frustrated. Now you got to go figure out how you're going to jumpstart your car. Now you got to call your so-and-so. You got to call your husband or your wife and say, hey, I need you to come back and jumpstart me. Perfect peace who stayed on the Lord. My mind, if I will keep the imperfect peace, you have the, to let the word of God be the governing force, not your experiences or your emotions. It is the word of God which brings information and revelation about the knowledge of God. And when you have the knowledge of God, you can be at perfect peace with him. Somebody say amen. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I want you to think about this, that a branch that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. We must be abiding in God's word. We must be implanting ourselves in the God's kingdom and in God's word. God's word, I said it in the parable of the sower, the God's word is seed and the revelation and the information is being revealed by God's word so that we can bear more fruit. God wants you and I to bear more fruit. But if we, if our, if our fruit, if we're not planted, then our branches, our branch can't bear any more fruit. We've got to plant ourselves in the word of God. We've got to plant ourselves in the kingdom of God in order for God to grow us and begin to bear more fruit. Somebody say amen. Because a branch that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Amen. God has great things in store for your life. Don't let the enemy attack your mind this week. Don't let the enemy come in and throw you off the course of what God wants for you in your life today. Somebody say amen to that.